Hi, I'm Raphael Honigstein, and you're listening to the Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Works Show, a more positive edition of the Bavarian Podcast Works Show, because now that the Super League is dead, we have bigger and better things to talk about. That conversation seems like it happened like months ago, but here we are. Such is the life for us podcasters of FC Bayern Munich because we have a lot of news to get into. We have a Women's Champions League match to recap and somewhat take a look ahead towards, but first things first, a major coaching upheaval at the club. We need to discuss that. I'm joined by Tom Adams. Tom, I want to start this off by not even asking how you're doing. I just want to get your thoughts on the announcement. Julian Nagelsmann has officially been announced as the next head coach of FC Bayern Munich. Uh, the young coach is coming back to Bavaria. Uh, he grew up a uh, couple kilometers south of Munich, and his first uh, experience at the soccer level was... Uh, the soccer level, <laughs> playing soccer at least, was uh, Augsburg and uh, 1860 München. Uh, he started his coaching career as a scout at Augsburg and then moved onward and upward to where he is now. So, your thoughts, your reaction to this signing? Well, the writing was on the wall, so to speak, for this one. I think a lot of us knew that this was going to happen, and I think a lot of us knew that it was really Hansi Flick's destiny to become the next German national team manager to replace Joachim Love after the European Championships. And Jake, I even believe it was a few podcast episodes ago where we were reacting to um, Joachim Love's announcement that he was going to step down as Die Mannschaft manager after this summer's European Championships. And we were kind of summarizing and going over what we thought realistic options were. And I believe I had said somewhere down the road, I wanted Julian Nagelsmann to become coach of FC Bayern. Maybe not right away. Uh, didn't perhaps think it was as realistic as it wound up being. Um, and I think I had said uh, for that I thought maybe Kuntz would be asked to uh, take over after the summer or something like that. But nonetheless, uh, I knew it was in the back of my mind that at some point, Julian Nagelsmann would become manager of FC Bayern München, and that is the case, as we can say with full certainty. As of July 1st, he will be taking over as manager, taking over for Hansi Flick. I think this is uh, the right move. While a lot of people out there might think it's coming a little bit prematurely or you know, a little bit too early in Nagelsmann's coaching career, um, I, I think this was the right move for Bayern Munich, and you know, there's so many factors that go into this and, you know, so many things that go on behind the scenes from the front office perspective, the negotiations. As we know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Bayern Munich is asking the DFB for certain concessions because the DFB doesn't want to pay a transfer fee to have Hansi Flick take over for Joachim Love. Uh, so that's one complex piece to this uh, Nagelsmann transfer and also negotiating the fee with RB Leipzig. I uh, was always in question. I think it landed somewhere around 25 million euro, which is really, really high transfer fee for a manager. But I think in the end, this is going to be worth it. 
I think this is a guy who, even as a young manager, has shown his pedigree and he's shown that, um, you know, he has an eye for young talent. As we know, RB Leipzig is very, very big on their youth academy and making sure that they uh, send a lot of youth players through to the senior team and get them integrated. Yes, it helps that they have the the sister club of uh, RB Salzburg and then, you know, the Red Bull system with even New York Red Bulls. There's a lot of tie-in there, but uh, someone had even asked me earlier today, Jake, when I decided to do the Bavarian Football Works admin Ask Me Anything on Twitter, uh, if I personally feel that Nagelsmann will do a good job of focusing on youth development uh, at FC Bayern. And I think he will. And that's something that I'm very much looking forward to seeing. I know that a lot of people are skeptical as far as the, the types of formations that Nagelsmann might try and experiment with. But I'm a big fan of his, big fan of his excuse me, and I'm really excited and uh, really looking forward to the next chapter at Bayern Munich under Nagelsmann. The fear of all of those uh, formation changes is giving me Vietnam flashbacks to Niko Kovac. I'm very excited by the potential of Julian Nagelsmann. He works well in a system that Bayern is trying to set up. To me, we, we talked, uh, not this most recent podcast, but... I think the one before the most recent one that we had about whether or not uh, Byron was in the middle of a transition, right? Whether or not they needed a rebuild. We were reacting to a Gab Marcotti article. I am of the opinion that if Byron needed to go through a rebuild, Julian Nagelsmann is the perfect person in order to facilitate that change. I wrote a very long article about what kind of tactics we can expect from Julian Nagelsmann and what he looks like, what he works with, and etc., etc., like what we can expect like from his gameplay. One of the things that really strikes me and what should strike everybody is how much he dips into the academy systems and how often he has been used to using younger and better players. So as Bayern transitions more, I think we're going to start to see more and more of that, right? Midfield, probably not for a little while, right? And if we are, it would probably look more up top towards uh, Tomas and the wingers. But uh, while it doesn't bode well for Mark Roca and uh, second team players like Angelo Stiller, uh, Leon Goretzka and uh, Joshua Kimmich are set there for now. The strike, the striking is also pretty set there, I think, um, especially considering that uh, Robert Lewandowski probably won't be going anywhere this summer. Maybe, maybe next summer, but even then, that would probably only be because uh, Bayern Munich could be bringing in Erling Haaland, but that's very far off from now. The one place that Bayern does need to rebuild and is in the middle of rebuilding is the back line. And so when I look at this back line and I look at the tactics that Nagelsmann has used at Leipzig, at Hoffenheim, I'm looking forward to it. I'm very excited about it. Uh, much like Bayern, he also builds out his attacks from the back line using center backs. He uses wing backs in attacking formations very often. If we look at Leipzig's uh, current scorers table, Angelino is up there with four goals. Uh, Marcel Haustenberg is up there with two goals. He also has two assists. Angelino has four and four. So when we consider the fact that Alfonso Davies last year was considered one of the best uh, 
wingbacks in the world, and here he is sitting here this year. He's kind of slumped off. But most people think that he's still pretty good, both defensively and offensively. He's had 20 games, one goal, two assists. So with Nagelsmann, not only is he probably going to improve defensively, he's also going to improve in his attacking output as well, hopefully. Um, and then when we consider that he likes to deploy younger players along his back line, that benefits people that won't be getting that much starting time, right? So if I look at this entire Bayern roster right now, I like where Alfonso Davies is in Nagelsmann's system. I like where Luca Hernandez is in that system. I think that Hernandez is probably going to be able to replace David Alaba pretty easily if he's given the time and given the leeway. Uh, I believe Nick Sula will also get a start there. The addition of Nagelsmann will help Nick Sula stay at Bayern. I know that we had like issues about whether or not Nick Sula was going to be staying, but with his old coach coming in from Hoffenheim, I imagine that he's going to stay. That right-back position is now up in the air, because Benjamin Pavard does not usually contribute that much to forward movement, and Nagelsmann likes, like, pacey, forward-minded outside backs. So I look at that, and I don't even think Bayern needs to bring in anybody. Um... I believe that Pavar could probably most likely get some starting time, but don't be shocked if Chris Richards gets some starting time at right back. And I'm really looking forward to that if that ends up happening, because what we've seen with Richards at Hoffenheim, he's comfortable playing on the back line, he's comfortable pushing up and contributing to the attack as well, and he's done fantastically for Hoffenheim. So... I would not be shocked if Bayern brings him back and Nagelsmann works him into his system. The one thing that I am mainly concerned about with Nagelsmann is whether or not he is going to get the leeway to be able to influence the team creatively. We saw that with Niko Kovac, the board was not willing to do that. We saw that with Hansi Flick, he helped basically to build the system that Bayern is at right now, at least under Guardiola a little bit, and then under Niko Kovac as well when he was with the team, and he helped with the press, he helped with all of these other important aspects that Bayern has been working with, and so he stuck with the system. He stuck with the system that has worked for Bayern for a little while. What my concern is, is that Nagelsmann likes to work with a flexible system. He likes to work with flexibility in how he fields the team, how the team presses and defends and counterattacks, and I'm not exactly sure if the Bayern front office will be able to like, allow him to do that. My hope is that they will, because I'm a in full belief that if Hassan Salihamidzic, his job as sporting director is to help build the team, to help bring the players in, then it's Nagelsmann's job to put them in the best positions to succeed. And if what's succeeded for him in the past is this flexibility and his input on the team and the tactics, then I think that Nagelsmann should have full ability to be able to do that. Until the results say otherwise, I don't know why Byron would hire a manager and then tell him that he can't use his tactics. That, to me, 
is a ridiculous ask and a ridiculous concept, and it would be an immediate turnoff to most managers. So my hope is that with Nagelsmann here, he'll be able to have relative free reign. With that being said, uh, there's now a hole at RB Leipzig, or at least there was a hole until this afternoon when it was reported by a bunch of outlets, including Bill, our friend Derek Ray, Manuel Veth of Transfermarkt, that Jesse Marsh is going to RB Leipzig. And all I'm going to say before I pass it to Tom is call me Nostradamus. Because I called it. I called this weeks ago that this was exactly what was going to happen. So I'm going to take my laurels right now. I accept my thanks and my congratulations in the form of Chipotle gift cards. You can send them to me over Twitter. Tom, what do you think about that hire from RB Leipzig? We know they like to hire from internally. They like to shuffle their coaches around their systems, whether that is in... Africa, in Brazil, both of their teams in Austria, Germany now, New York as well. And that's basically been the track of Jesse Marsh. He moved from uh, Harrison, New Jersey with the Red Bulls to Salzburg, and now he's going to Leipzig. What are your thoughts with him? Yeah, Jake, I mean, even taking the American bias out of this and looking at this completely objectively from... Uh, not only just the, the Bundesliga perspective, but European football as a whole. I mean, this is a very, very exciting move. And, you know, putting that American bias back onto it, I mean, how exciting could this be having two American Bundesliga managers next season, right? And, uh, of course, Pellegrino Matarazzo at VfB Stuttgart. If he does, in fact, stay there, I know he's in high demand uh, for a lot of jobs across Europe, not only in Germany, and obviously Jesse Marsh at uh, RB Leipzig. And this is... You know, when would you ever have imagined that this would be the case, Jake? I mean, I don't think uh, a lot of us would have thought that we would be sitting here saying those words, you know, two American Bundesliga managers playing, or excuse me, working in the Bundesliga at the same time in the same season. So this is going to be really, really exciting um, for American soccer fans as well as uh, Bundesliga fans and fans of uh, both Stuttgart and RB Leipzig. And just especially, I know a lot of people know I'm also a big Liverpool fan. Just uh, Champions League, I believe it was the the eighteen nineteen season, the year that Liverpool went went on to win it, having to play those two matches against RB Salzburg in our group. I got a lot of I got a lot to know about uh, familiarized with the RB Salzburg squad. It's funny uh, that first that first leg at Anfield. Takumi Minamino absolutely rinsed us, had one of his best performances of his career thus far. Of course, it didn't quite work out at Liverpool, and uh, he's been enjoying a semi-decent loan spell at Southampton, but also this was before Erling Haaland had burst onto the scene and uh, had that transfer to Borussia Dortmund and then burst even further onto the scene and into the limelight. And you know, not, I remember not knowing much about Jesse March back then and just listening to what the commentators had to say and watching that RB Salzburg team take Liverpool to the wire in both of those legs. And, you know, it was one of those things where you don't know much about that team going into it and you'd expect Liverpool to kind of roll over them and get the job done. But, you know, that certainly wasn't the case in the first leg. I believe it was the 4-3 and then I think we won uh, 2-0 in Salzburg. But, you know, that didn't necessarily tell the complete narrative of the game. So since then... Having done research on Jesse March, keeping a more closer eye on him, especially given the early links that we saw with him to RB Leipzig. This isn't the first time his name has been mentioned under the breath for uh, RB Leipzig, because I think we all knew 
at some point that Nagelsmann was going to at least be in the conversation to manage FC Bayern Jake. As we all found out earlier this week, he was apparently a very big Bayern fan as a kid and even had um, Bayern Munich bedsheets, which I had absolutely no idea of. Uh, but Jake, as you mentioned, you know, once once a Bavarian, you know, working and playing in Bavaria, I guess always a Bavarian, and it's come full circle. So very, very excited to see what uh, Marsh could potentially do uh, in the Bundesliga with RB Leipzig and potentially uh, in their European conquest as well. Yeah, those bed sheets um, remind me of many parallels to a specific uh, hockey player that's now in Toronto. And anyone in hockey that follows hockey will know exactly what I'm referring to. Everyone else, look up John Tavares' Maple Leafs bedsheets, and then you will find out what I mean. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be talking about Bayern's game against Chelsea, at least the women's game against Chelsea. We are going to preview their game coming up and take a look at the game they just played. So stay with us. And we are back, and now we get to talk about the Bayern women's team playing against Chelsea in the Women's Champions League semifinals. So don't you dare say that Bayern is out of of Champions League football. I swear to God, I will come and I will find all of you, and I will force you to watch this game on Sunday because it is going to be fantastic, and you should all be watching it, I swear to God. God, we are going to watch this game, and it's going to be a fantastic game. Where you can watch it? I don't know. I want to say CBS? Like, Paramount Plus? I think they got the rights to it. Um, If not, then just Google it and find out. So, anyway, at least for the United States. Anyways, uh, Byron played their game on Sunday. I was sadly unable to watch it as I was coming back from a small vacation. But, uh... I watched the highlights, and that's pretty much all that you needed to do. 12th minute, Lyneth Berenstain uh, on the wing. Nice little build-up gets the ball to her, who dumps it off to Clara Bull on the left, on the right wing, not the left wing, uh, who leaves it off for Hannah Glass to cross it in to the center of the box. And Katrin Berger, who is Chelsea's goalkeeper, gets a hand on it and leaves it, uh, hopefully, to get cleared, at least she was hoping that it was getting cleared, and instead it found the head of Sydney Lohman, who headed it towards goal. Chelsea's defender, Millie Bright, their captain, got ahead to it, and unfortunately she did not head it away. She roofed it into her own net, made it one nothing for the Bayern Frauen. 23rd minute? Yes, 23rd minute. Uh, a free kick from... Uh, Chelsea's uh, midfielder, Guro Wrighton from Norway. Nice cross into the box. Clara Bull shows up again. Uh, she tries to clear it, but in a rather unfortunate circumstance, she cleared it away onto the head of her former teammate, uh, Melanie Leopold, who just by accident got her head to this. Uh, the ball went high, looping off her head over the Bayern back line, over the uh, hands of Laura Benkarth, and into the Bayern net, made it 1-1. They went into halftime, tied 1-1. 56th minute, there was a throw-in and a wild pass, but it was 
somehow with a defender on her, Clara Boone made up for her uh, mistake earlier, makes a great effort to keep the play alive, finds a way to get the ball to uh, Captain Lena Magul in the midfield. She sends a long ball to Hannah Glass on the wings, who took this beauty of a almost Robin-esque, right? Basically, the best way you can describe it is Robin-esque. She was on the right wing. She curled it from out to in with her left foot, passed the hand of hand of Berger to make it 2-1. to one. That was the final score. Uh, the second leg is Monday, or Sunday. I'm sorry, this Sunday, May 2nd. Um, it should be a fantastic game. Uh, Tom, I know that you saw highlights from this game. What did you take away from this? I did, and obviously you went over the big occurrences from the match, and uh, I was able to find a channel uh, that had condensed highlights, much like you would find on CBS Sports for the men's uh, Champions League. I don't know if we're allowed to say the channel because I don't know if it's an official channel uh, and what the the copyright you know, or the licensing agreement is on that, but basically using that, um, and then sifting through the comments on Bayern's main channel, you know, they have the full match and replay and there's comments in German that you can translate. Uh, it did seem as if this one, Chelsea had kind of dominated possession, uh, especially in midfield. And the statistics from this match sheet kind of paint that picture, you know, out possessing Bayern Frauen, uh, out passing them, taking more shots. But actually, Bayern Frauen did record more shots on target, which is showing you that they did the most with the opportunities that they were given. And Jake, as you mentioned, Hannah Glass had herself a day. I believe it was her who sent in that cross uh, for Bayern's first goal to Sydney Laman, that far post header. And of course, it was another far post header, kind of accidental from Mel Melanie Leopold's uh, for Chelsea's goal, which is unfortunate from Bayern's perspective. They weren't able to keep a clean sheet and Chelsea was able to get that away goal. Uh, it it kind of looked to Jake like... Uh, Ben Karth was kind of befuddled, not only by the pace of the ball, but it's kind of one of those funny situations where a lot of these women's Champions League matches are played uh, in the middle of the day, local time, whether it's uh, in the, um, excuse me, Europe or the UK, right? So it looks like the sun probably gave her a little bit of trouble losing that, uh, the way that ball was hit, kind of looping off of uh, Leo Pultz's header unexpectedly, Um it seemed like the Sun definitely didn't do her any favors. Obviously, it's much, much different than the Men's Champions League, which is always played very late at night, local uh, European or UK time, and midday for us here in the States. And uh, as you know, the Champions League matches for the women here start very, very early in the morning on either uh, Saturday or Sunday for us. So <laughs> the days that we like to sleep in after long work weeks, but... Yeah, as you mentioned, too, that Hannah Glass just doing her best Aryan Robin. As you were mentioning the build-up to that play, too, I believe it was... I don't remember if it was either uh, Bull or Magel who had gotten absolutely taken out, but the ref had called uh, advantage as Bayern was still in possession, but absolutely took one for the team, kept the play alive. One pass later, it found itself... The ball found itself at uh, Hannah Glass's feet and absolutely did a couple of shimmies trying to befuddle the defender, created that yard of space for herself, and the absolute robin cut in from the left far left corner no chance for the keeper uh and the vital vital two on wayne it was absolutely important that byron found that second goal and that they did and uh, didn't have too many chances after that even with chelsea trying to press on for a second but i think that they realized that one away goal is very very vital 
um, and they'll they'll be happy taking that back to Kingston uh, for the second leg in London, or excuse me, not London, in uh, England is what I meant to say. Hopefully Bayern can, you know, look at what they got wrong in this match, what, look at what they got right, and be able to protect that lead and try and get an away goal themselves because one away goal for them completely puts the onus on Chelsea to go ahead and chase this. And Jake, not only is it a big week for that, but just after that, I know we can segue into this, but they've got a big match coming up in the Frauen Bundesliga just after the second leg. That they do, that they do. Um, for now, I just want to stick towards what we can expect coming up on Sunday. Chelsea had a higher amount of chances than Bayern did, uh, 10 to 9. Bayern were more on target, however, um, with seven, sh- seven like real shots, uh, four on target, three off target. Chelsea had three on target, five off target, plus one shot from Jisoo Yun that hit the woodwork. Uh, Bayern was heavily reliant on the wings, and it stayed that way throughout a majority of the game. Uh, looking at comments from after this game, mostly from the Bayern end, it seemed that Bayern and uh, Chelsea believed that Bayern really could have come away with three goals here. Uh, Bayern's uh, Coach Jens Scheuer said we should have scored again. We certainly won't play for a nil-nil draw in London. Uh, He said in the end, we might or should have scored that third goal. We will try our luck in attack next Sunday. We have the quality. Uh, Chelsea's coach Emma Hayes said uh, that could have very easily gone 3-1 to them and been a much bigger task for us, so we're not out of it yet. And that's very true. Hannah Glass had a couple of very close shots, as did Lena Maguel. Uh, they were really killing it on the wings, Bayern were, and I expect that they uh, will attack through that wing, uh, either wings, over and over again. Hannah Glass really killing it by pushing up the wings, uh, swapping with Simon, uh, often cutting down the right wing, as we saw uh, with that goal from uh, the assist from Lena Maguel. She shot it from the right side, but... When you consider the fact that Bayern has uh, Lohmann, Berenstein, and Maguel up top, you can expect them to be deadly. But I kind of want to turn this towards Chelsea and seeing how they kind of missed a lot of opportunities because this Chelsea team has one of the best front threes in all of women's football with Sam Kerr, the Aussie, uh, Pernille Harder, uh, the former Wolfsburg player, and Fran Kirby. They did not really do well this game in terms of being able to convert their shots. A lot of their shots came from the midfield. Their one goal came from Leopold's. Uh, and I mentioned the shot from Jisoo that hit the woodwork. Uh, how did they look to you, Tom? Because they looked pretty disappointing from my point of view. And do you expect them to try and rebound and try to go through that front three more often in this game coming up on Sunday. Well, they will certainly have to. And just as you had referenced earlier, uh, when you were going over some of the match stats, I think despite the caliber that of the front three that Chelsea has, the 12 shots but only registering one on target pretty much tells you the story. And, you know, it was sort of the accidental nature of that shot on target, which was uh, Leopold's goal, which was kind of... Uh, it kind of got to her ahead in an unexpected way as it took the slight deflection off the Bayern defender. So I think that uh, is something that Chelsea will have to look at. They had plenty of chances, but just did not do the best 
best job getting those chances on target, and that is just not something you could do in the in the Champions League. You're going to be made to rue your missed chances and rue your mistakes, and so I think that they'll definitely have uh, the right mindset to set this straight and calibrate, get their chances on target in the second leg. But obviously, <laughs> as the Bayern uh, Bayern enthusiast and the Bayern bias to this, I hope they don't, and I hope Bayern can prevent that from happening because I would love to see the Bayern Frauen get to the Champions League final, whether it's uh, against Barcelona or PSG, win that, and also win the Frauen Bundesliga. So, Jake, while I think it's possible Chelsea can overturn this, and they certainly have the firepower to do so, uh, they were misfiring a little bit in leg one. I do think they can turn that around in leg two, but uh, I would hope that that does not happen. If it is Bayern versus PSG, I'll be very interested to see how Alfonso Davies takes all of this. I imagine that, obviously, he's going to root for Jordan Heidema, but I wonder whether or not he'll be able to do so uh, vocally or very uh, outwardly considering if it was a Bayern PSG matchup, then his employer might not be too terribly happy that he was rooting for the opposition, regardless of how justified it might be. They certainly wouldn't hand over the social media accounts to Fonzie for the day if that were the case. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We come back next week after Bayern takes this week off, where normally they'd be playing a Pokal, but Holstein Kiel, the team that knocked them out, by the way, they're playing. They're playing in the semifinal. They beat Rolf Essen, and they're playing uh, Borussia Dortmund on Saturday, so I guess best of luck to them. And then Friday, Nagelsmann, our new coach, is playing a game against uh, Werder Bremen in the semifinals, so best of luck to him. I'll actually be rooting for RB Leipzig to go through on that one because regardless of how quote-unquote terrible everybody says they are for you know like existing (laughs) I guess uh I hope that Nagelsmann's able to leave with one trophy for his team Jake you could say you'd be rooting for them but probably not enjoying a Red Bull exactly exactly I'll be drinking monster that weekend I will assure you of that so With that, we are going to end this episode. Thank you all for listening. Please be sure to like, rate, share, subscribe, and download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. Follow me on Twitter at Jefferson Fenner. Follow Tom on Twitter at TommyAdam71. Follow all of us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks. Until next time, we'll see you all later. Enjoy a weekend off. Auf Wiedersehen.